You want to learn to fly, but you don't know where to start. We're going to be talking about that in this Taking Off podcast. Hello and welcome to the Taking Off Podcast. I'm Dan Milliken, and we are joined. I am joined by Josh Menz from the Fort Worth Flight School. Josh, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, Dan. Okay, so uh, you and I had an, a very interesting start, which we'll get into in a minute. But you you operate a flight school out of out of south of Fort Worth in Burleson, Texas, at the Spinks Airport, which is Foxtrot Whiskey Sierra, or as I call it, Fort Worth South, <laughs> yes, so, which I believe that's exactly what they were going for at that point. But, uh, you know, I actually learned to fly eight years ago now from that same airport before you were a school there, so I couldn't pick you. Right. Um, but I did, I did learn through one of the competitors you have out there, um, which I did not have a good experience, and I don't necessarily need to get into that, but, boy, I wish I'd had Fort Worth Flight School back then. I appreciate that. Okay, so we are talking to the person who wants to learn to fly and really doesn't know where to start. And I'll tell you, even just eight years ago, 2015, when I decided I'm going to start taking lessons – I went online, but there was actually very little out there. And the few places that had websites were really bad websites. Yeah, born in the 80s. Yeah, <laughs> Never was, got updated since. Oh, man. <laughs> it was horrible trying to find a place. And, and really, I knew, I knew step one was to find the airport I want to train with. So if you're wanting to learn to fly, step one, find the airport. And then at the airport, look at the different flight schools that are there. I knew that. I wanted to go to Spinks. It was the closest thing to me. So I started looking. I found one guy who was just a one guy who was teaching out of his own plane. I saw a school. I ended up going with the school. Um, but walk through, you know, for a new person or a person that wants to learn to fly, how can they go about finding the right place to go learn to fly? Well, I think you're right on location. Um, if you live on the northeast side of Dallas and you're going to try to come take lessons from me in southwest Fort Worth, that drive, depending on traffic times, could definitely kill the dream for you. Um, if you're 15 minutes down the road, you're a lot more apt to come up for last-minute cancellation fill-ins or go bust off some solo time in the pattern or whatever you want to do. And it's easier to keep progressing through your license, I would say. Um, so that location, yes, number one. Number two, you really want to find a place that cares about you and bringing your dreams to reality. A lot of places out there, or some places out there, they're just there for the money, they want the paycheck, or they want to build the hours up in their log books so they can move on to the airlines. They're not really concerned about you as an individual. That's something that I feel we kind of shine on. Um, we become good friends with everybody we fly with, and you become a part of the Fort Worth Flight School family if you come and take lessons there. So we don't just care about getting the paycheck at the end of the week. We don't just care about building hours on our law book. We want you to be successful and see you flying an airplane by yourself and accomplishing your dreams of aviation. You know, that you, it's interesting you say, uh, I am very much a business-by-relationship uh, type of person. I, I like to go um, to places where I do have 
a relationship with the the vendor or the the owner or the whatever. And I do remember when I when I went to that school for my private, that was the opposite. They did not want to get to know. And I was right. like trying to to be friendly and make jokes, make small talk. And they it's weren't having business. oh, they weren't having any of it. Right. And uh, yeah, it, it just made it kind of awkward, I guess. Yeah, I want um, what I kind of focused on when I broke off on my own and started my own gig is I want a place where when you walk in the door the very first time, you just breathe and relax. And it's like, oh, man, this is it. This feels like home. People here are nice and smiley and there's snacks and there's drinks and there's facilities and everybody's just kind of hanging out and having a good time. And everybody's feeding off each other's positive energy. And you just feel more accepted and at home. I feel like if you're in that kind of a mental state, it's easier to absorb this new information that you're trying to soak up. Um, positivity um, happiness helps you to be more ready to learn and absorb the things. And your brain's not focusing on 40 things at once. You're just there to, to do your job. And there, I, I do recognize there are some people out there that would prefer just to be, you know, just there for the business and that's it. And I recognize that. I've met a couple of those throughout the years, not as many as I have the opposite way, but, uh, but there you, are some, there's some out there that come to me and they'll fly with me and it's like, you can just tell they're like, man, quit the small talk. I don't want to be your friend. I'm <laughs> right. just here to get a license, and that's all I care about. Tell right. me the bookwork I need to be studying and point me in the right direction and leave me alone, which all is fine, too. I mean, there's not a problem with that at all. All right. For that person that's wanting to learn to fly, so first off is location. Then they look and see what schools or what instructors are available at that airport. Um, what? Tell me what the difference is between um, – I and I know the answer here, but I'm just trying to phrase it in a way without using the lingo that that a, a non-pilot might not understand. But you've got um, you've got schools, and then you've got individuals, and you've got very regimented schools, and that take less time to get through, and everything else. Um, one is called Part 61. One's called Part 141. Tell me the difference between those type of training for the new person out there considering. So the positive to part 61 is... And what is part 61? Okay, part 61 is, it could just be any ma and pa shop. You get your CFI, you buy an airplane, you put a sign out, and now you are a part 61 school. You didn't have to go through any requirements with FAA to show them your curriculum and... Uh, let them come snoop through all your files and look all your stuff. Now, of course, FA does look into us, but Part 61, we're more of a, just anybody can looser. do it. Yeah, a lot and, looser. And Part 61 refers to the rule book that the, 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 what I call the Bible of the FAA, which is all their laws, and Part 61 encompasses these type of schools. The requirements it takes to get the different ratings under the Part 161 structure is different or 61 structure, sorry, is different from the 141 structure. The 141 has to comply with all the FAA standards. So they have a curriculum they have to build, they have to submit it to the FAA, get it approved. Somebody has to come in, check on your shop, and multiple times a year they're coming through and making sure you're still teaching the curriculum and you're not skipping steps and bouncing around or anything like that. 61... If you come for a lesson and it's your day to go solo and the weather is not favorable for solo, 
well, we'll just move on to the next step. We'll, we'll start doing some flight planning for your cross countries that are coming up, or we'll do some pattern work together and work on some crosswind or soft field or short field takeoff and landings. If you're 141, uh, sorry about your luck, but we don't have a lesson for you today. We cannot proceed on to the next lesson until we have completed this lesson because we've got to stick with the curriculum and we can't be bouncing around. Right. So you, you have more flexibility in the 61. It's very regimented in the 141. The advantage of that regimented 141 is you have lesser requirements from the FAA to reach your That's right. um, your private pilot certificate. You also uh, – those 141 kind of uh, schools tend to be more immersive. It tends to be your international students who are coming over to learn English and to fly. It's it's built for going from zero to hero in a very shorter amount of time than a Part 61. Correct. Yeah, and there's a lot of advantages of that. I got a job at TCC when they first opened up their flight program with U.S. Aviation. And um, the main reason, I already had a teaching gig at a, a 61 school down at Fort Spinks. And the main reason I wanted the job at the 141 school is I wanted that structure. I wanted someone to show me, hey, here's a blueprint. If you want this guy to get private pilot in the shortest amount of time possible, follow these steps verbatim. Go out there and teach him lesson one through 18 in order and make sure that he understands one before you move on to two and blah, 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 all that kind of good stuff. And I loved it. It was great. It was good to go get that experience and get that structure built into my brain and my life. But at the same time, uh, the negatives, in my opinion, the negatives outweigh the positives there. So I just went back to 61. I, I, don't, I don't like to have someone tell me I have to shave and what I have to wear and when I need to be where and all that kind of stuff. I'd rather be more relaxed atmosphere type thing. You have to be shaved for part 141? Oh, yeah. They grouped about it all the time. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Um, and in case you're way up there in 40,000 feet and you need to strap that emergency oxygen mask on, you can't have that beard. Is Which, that the idea? That's the idea, and it makes complete sense. It's it's obviously, it makes a lot of sense, but when you're just training people for the airlines, you're never going up above, what, maybe 7,000, 8,000. So. All right, so for those who are who are listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all that, you won't see the video, but if you're listening to the podcast on YouTube, we do have a 360 camera that we're playing around with. You can see Josh's full beard. It's actually very <laughs> trim today. I it noticed. is. Last time you saw me, it was a little bit longer. Yeah. It was a little wilder, yeah. yeah. It was all right. winter time. All right, so then you have, so for you, that's wanting to learn to fly, you have to choose between a 61 or a 141 school. Most of the time out there at these municipal airports, you're probably going to run into a 61 school. That's learn at your own pace. You can take lessons out of order and everything else. If you're wanting to get that license super quick, then the 141 and, you know, you can devote a lot more time to it. That's probably the route you're going. If you're thinking of being a pilot for the airlines and you're at zero right now, a 141 is probably your better option than a 61, but not necessarily. Christy went 61 and and she got to her ATP in three years going 61, which is fairly quick. That's pretty good. Um, good point on... Uh, well... Yeah, it was a good point, it. and it's gone. Gone that quick. <laughs> so, uh, we're talking about um, if you're going to the airlines, 
Okay, so time. Um, if you have time to dedicate four or five days a week and you don't have a full-time job going on, wife and kids at home that you're trying to cater to and deal with, then a 141 kind of makes sense because you're going to go into some classroom environments and you're going to soak up the knowledge. You have the time at home to go home and just study your butt off and make sure you understand it and soak it all up. 61 makes a little bit more sense if you do have a life that consumes you and you don't have as much free time and you just want to go at your own pace, then 61's a much better option. We're working around the clock. We're open seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So if you work a full-time eight to five job, you get off, you want to be there at 630, well, we can make that happen and we'll have somebody out there for you at 630. Yeah. Whereas a 141 is probably during the day and all that kind of stuff. Right. The part 61 for that potential new student out there, how long are you seeing on average at your school from zero to passing that um, private pilot check ride? Like talking time frame wise? Time frame wise. Or hours in a law book? Time frame time wise. Time frame wise. Okay, so I had a guy come in from Alaska um, and he came down here in the winter, last winter, I believe it was. Well, before he came here, he talked to me, asked me what he needed to be studying, what book could he need to buy, what he needed to go through, and all that kind of stuff, so he could kind of get the written stuff under control before he got here. And he put his business on hold in Alaska, came down here, and just knocked it out in like two and a half months. So it can be done in two and a half to three months. The average I usually see is closer to probably six months, maybe even a year. Um life gets in the way, weather gets in the way, airplanes break, things happen, it can drag on forever. But if you can dedicate two to three times a week, yes, you can get it done in two to four months, I could say. Well, and I did um, maybe about two times a week, and I was able to get mine done in six months. It was starting in January, so when we got around to April, May, uh, we had a lot of um, cancellations because of thunderstorms Storm down roll. here in Texas. Yep. So I actually had a check ride scheduled for Memorial Weekend that Saturday, and storms um, scrubbed the mission, and the guy wasn't available until July, late July. So I ended up having six, seven weeks of just, you know, kind of trying to keep the, uh, the You don't edge. lose it, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it can, you know, things like that all just vary. So, um, but six months, probably a good average Uh, for the 141, you know, what's, what, what are they looking at for the 141 a month, two months? I would think it's three, three months, three months that they go off. It's been a while since I was at TCC. So yeah. And I never did 141. So, and I know Christy taught at 141, but, um, she went through, uh, part 61 for her stuff. Okay. I know at TCC, since they are doing college classes backed up at the same time like if you do your private you're also doing a private class in college for that semester they base it on the semester so at the end of the semester you should have your private license i see okay then you mentioned okay so that's calendar time now logbook time what are you seeing i know the faa says you have to have a minimum of 40 hours in your logbook before you can take the check ride and that 40 hours isn't a flat 40 it's it's a certain number of hours here a certain number of hours there and that kind of stuff. What? Do you, but are you seeing people with 41 hours taking their check rides? Very rare. Very rare. Um, I'll see, you know, you run across guys sometimes, they just absorb stuff. And it's right. like, who are you? And right. what are you made from? Where's your parents? Let me meet them. Um, they just soak it right up. And it's phenomenal. Yeah, those kind of guys, they can get it done in 40 to 44 hours or so. But usually the, the national average, I think, is around 65 right now. I see a lot of stuff at around 50 hours, 
I think we had somebody recently that was like 44, but uh, yeah, never usually 40. Okay, so that gives it, uh, how, the timing. Now let's talk about the cost. What does it cost to get your private pilot certificate? I say a good average guesstimation, ten to fifteen thousand, just for the private. Um, I used to say eight thousand, but right. uh, you you know as good as I do, everything's gone up. Yeah, eight so. years ago, um, I know mine was between seven and nine thousand for my Part sixty one that was done in six months. I think mine was around sixty seven hundred. Yeah, so sure. it has gone up. So I keep telling people eight to ten, but I probably need to um, to adjust that now because of inflation. Um, I've been saying eight to ten for a long time, and just this last, I guess, year and a half, 12, I've been to, like, hey, ten to twelve, ten to fifteen. That's kind of where we're at now. And a part one forty one is going to be more expensive usually. More expensive usually. Yes, yes. their planes. I hate to say it, but their planes are usually newer, and, and usually their fleet, like all of them, are the same. And, yes. Yeah, and more so expensive. probably fifteen to twenty. Would you say for one forty one? Twenty sounds probably about right. Right. All right. So so now. For the, uh, you know, what what I contacted you for is that, you know, I've been flying. People that know me know that uh, I went out and got my CFI, a uh, very challenging rating, and, and I just enjoyed going after it. And the, I've, you know, I fly to, I run a film and video production company, and so I fly to shoots all over the country, and I, I've taken my crew through the years. Um, and some of my, my friends have my crew have known me since long before I ever learned to fly and they started flying with me. They were some of my first passengers and now they want to learn to fly. So I started teaching them a little bit in the Cessna 210, which is a high performance complex aircraft. It's not a good teaching aircraft. It's got retractable gear, which you don't want to beat up with practice landings. And yours is turbo, right? (laughs) Mine's turbo. Yeah. And pressurized? No, not pressurized. Okay. But uh, so I started teaching them, and and then I realized, you know, it'd be really good just to, you know, take an intense week, book in the weekend, so we get like eight or nine days, and see how far we can get them. If can we get them to solo, and you know, with the goal, hopefully they continue the training. Um, I went online, I looked. There were one or two places offering a two-week zero to hero private pilot certificate. And I found uh, more than a couple that were doing the three-week. Now, the requirements, you had to come in already having completed your written. You had to come in, um, you know, with your medical, with all the stuff that you need to be able to take a check ride. And um, so it was with that in mind, I experimented with what I called flight camp for my friends. And we did did an intensive nine days of flying. And that's where where you and I met because I needed a place. Not only did I need a place, I needed a room to be able to to run through, you know, stuff with them. I needed, I, I found one plane with uh, flying eyes, and then I I figured we really kind of could use two planes. If we got two planes, we really need another instructor. Plus, I don't instruct on a full time basis. I'm a right. video guy, and so I know my own limitations. That my instruction would I'd be learning to instruct as they're trying to learn to fly and that's probably not great. So I wanted to have an instructor who's kind of the primary person and I could really kind of be more this you know, somebody Assistant. to supplement or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I reached out to you and we did that. Um what are your thoughts on the intensive um 
you know, for the places that offer two to three week zero to hero on your private? I have met people that have gone through courses like that. Um, a lot of times I see that they're not ready at the end of the two to three weeks. There's some kind of a deal like, oh, yeah, they had me ready and I was signed up for the check ride and the airplane broke and it turned into two months instead of two weeks or I wasn't ready at the end of the two and a half, three weeks and I didn't feel like I was comfortable enough to go take a check ride yet. Um, I don't see how, and you know, you've gone through all this, you've learned all this too. I don't see how you can soak up that much knowledge in two weeks, starting off with nothing, you know, never have flown an airplane and you don't even know what it's going to feel like. And then you get up there and now you're the master, well, not master for private, but you at least have a license to learn now and you're competent enough to go for that check route. I don't really feel like you can get that in two or three weeks. I guess some people do it and they rush them through. But then later on when they get to the next ratings or the commercial or whatever, the examiners can see a big lack in quality of just basic knowledge and understanding that they should have from the private pilot level. So they might memorize enough stuff just to get through the check ride for private, but then by the time they get to commercial, you realize that you're, you left a lot of stuff behind at the private. Well, I would say that that's that can happen even with the person taking six months to go through because i think what i've seen i've seen private pilots who aren't ready when they go for another rating later on down the road because quite frankly they just haven't flown very much since they got their certificate since the private pilot check ride and they were given their certificate they just haven't flown so i think the key whether you get it in three weeks or you get it in a year is that you Stay have current. you have to fly? Yeah. You, you know it's so perishable. Your flying skills are incredibly perishable. So if you don't continue to fly after you get that private, you're gonna have issues whether you learn fast or slow. Not like riding a bike. You can't ride a bike, learn it, and then five years goes by, you don't ride, and you jump on one, and and oh yeah, oh I got it down, I'm good to go. No, it, it's gonna take a little bit longer. Myself, I fly you know at least five days a week every week and have for last since 08 um wow but if i take two weeks off to go on a vacation when i come back after two weeks i'm like missing stuff i'm like where is this where's that I, I can't remember call signs and it just your brain has to get back in the in the routine you know get it going again all right so going speaking back to that uh, person wanting to learn to fly what are some things that they should look for in a an instructor or in a flight school? Um, well, obviously I'm real passionate about caring about the student and developing that relationship and seeing their goals through to the end. So just uh, first thing I would say is make sure that CFI wants to be there and wants to be teaching. He's not just teaching like I'm twisting his arm to go out there and teach because he doesn't really want to be here. He just wants to be in the airlines. He's doing this because it's a stepping stone to get on the next stage. Uh, that's not really the kind of guys I want to surround myself with at my school for sure, but that's not somebody I would want to take a lesson from. I'd, I'd want to make sure that they're more out to help me and not help themselves in the in the long run. Um, and, and and you bring up a good point. So really, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and you may you may totally disagree with me here. There's basically basically two types of instructors there's the 22 year old who's trying to time build so he can get to the airlines and there's the 67 year old guy who is now retired from the airlines who just wants to stay in aviation that's pretty much it uh yeah i'm kind of a rarity being stuck right. in the middle of that but uh 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, most of the guys that come knocking on my door for a job are fresh out of college, just got their ticket, ink's still wet, they're ready to start teaching so they can build their time up and go on to the airlines. Um, I do have a couple guys that either are ex-airline guys or they worked a career in life and they went ahead and got their CFI just because they're passionate about flying like yourself. And now they're done with their career job and they are retired and they just want to come teach just so they could be in an airplane every day and fly around and, and enjoy sharing that moment with the new student, you know, that when people solo, it's amazing for them because they just flew an airplane by themselves. But we as an instructor feel the same feeling. Right. You know, I, my stomach, I get butterflies. I get all excited. I'm filming them. I'm listening on the radio and my blood's pumping and my adrenaline's going. And yes, when they're done with that solo, I am on cloud nine just like they are. And same way with the check ride. When they get that certificate in their hand, they got their license, they passed. Oh, man, it is the best, one of the best feelings you could ever have. So... I would look for someone that, that wants to be passionate about it, that wants to see your success and not just roll on. And then what are some of the gotchas that uh, somebody who wants to become a, a flight student uh, needs to be aware of? Gotchas. like Well, like, for instance, are there – I've heard rumors. There are schools out there that won't solo you very early or get you ready for your check ride because they just want to keep keep you burning those hours. Yeah, um, it's kind of probably hard to see from an outside perspective if you don't go there first, you know. So right. you have to take a couple of lessons and just see. Well, I guess I if you've got a bunch of students, all the students there get their ticket at 100-plus hours, <laughs> then right. there may be something wrong with the school. Right, yeah. So um, seeing their average times as they go through, I guess that would be a good question to ask if you call a flight school up and you're wanting to fill them out. Hey, what's the average time that your guys get through your private oh, pilot good. license? Yeah. Up? And, and, you know, 60 is probably okay, 70, eh. But when they're starting to get 80, you know, I've there may be a problem some... with the school. Oh, yeah, some, but average. Yeah. Average, yes, yes. But I have had some guys that, you know, they own their own companies. They don't have much free time in life. And they're busy, and they got plenty of money. They don't care about spending the money, and they just want to be safe, and they want to be proficient. Right. Well, man, they won't let me out of the airplane until they're at, like, 40 hours. You know, I'm like, hey, dude, it's time for solo. You've been ready for 30 hours ago. Like, nope, nope, stay in here a couple more times. Yeah, certainly you have those. And and also, you know, because flying is such a perishable skill, if you take a lesson and you three weeks of life happens and you come back, most likely that next lesson is going to be pretty much rehashing the previous lesson. Then you take another three weeks off and you can see that you're just spinning. You're dancing. Yeah, you're just doing the same lesson over and over again because, you know, you've been so so out of it. Right. So there is that person as well. And I'm not talking about that. It's more the average. The average that's really ready and they're committed and they come, yes, that would be a key point to ask a flight school for sure. What is your your average student private pilot hours in their law book when they get their check ride. What about planes and equipment and costs? Are, are those important factors in a flight school? Uh, it just kind of depends on how deep your pockets are, really. If you have plenty of money, yeah, it'd be nice to fly an air-conditioned, brand-new Cirrus you know, right. and do all your time in that. But that's just not really feasible for a lot of people, especially if you're a younger guy and you're trying to change into a career path. You don't just You're going to be in, in an airplane pockets. that was built in the 50s and, 50s, and still 60s, looks and smells like yeah, it. Yeah, and that's, yeah, we have several of those. <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, and then cost. Um, what are you seeing? I know that when I was doing it, I was seeing uh, a 172, which is the most common, Cessna 172, the most common training plane out there. The, the most, there is no plane that has 
more numbers than the the 172. Correct. And I was seeing it, you know, from about 130. I know that by the time I got the instrument, there were 140, some 150. And um, I was just looking at a place today on behalf of of, of a friend who wanting wanting to learn to fly, and the school was advertising 170. And with a little bit of glass, uh, you know, not super new. It's kind of like a, a 1970s Cessna versus, you know, a 1950s. Right. But it's not a 2010 either. Um, what are you? What What would be a good price range for hourly rate? And and define what wet means versus dry for that new student. Okay, so dry rates uh, would be you're going to put the fuel back in the airplane on your own with your credit card. So wet rates, which is what we do at our school, is the airplane rental price includes fuel and oil, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, now, and I would say most schools do wet versus most dry. Most schools do wet. It's easier on the paperwork side of things. Um, so, yeah, most schools will do a wet. I started off in a Cessna 152, and I was paying $70 an hour for the airplane wet. Um, now that same Cessna 152, fast forward whatever it is, 14 years later, um, would be about 125 to 135 an hour wet. Uh, the 172s that we have, we have some for 145 an hour and we have some for 160. Like you were saying, the glass cockpit, the upgrades, the panels these days can be ridiculously expensive. So once we dump a lot of money into the panel to upgrade it to glass, yes, you're going to have to pay a higher premium. So the ones that we do have that have glass instruments in them, those are 160 an hour versus the 145 an hour for just basic steam gauges. And I guess that really boils down to the student. Um, you know, I flew in a 152 for my private as well, and it was only 90 or 95 an hour um, wet. And and then the instructors on top of that. And back then it was, I want to say, 30 maybe $50 an hour. Is it pretty much – what is an instructor rate then? It was 35 an hour when I started, climbed up to 40 before I got finished with all my ratings. Now the average is 50 to 60 an hour for instruction. Okay, so you've got 150 to 170 for your plane, and then you've got 50 to 60 an hour. So you're looking at just over $200 an hour, includes fuel um, for your training. So With an instructor. With an instructor, with everything you need, yeah. And uh, okay, so the important thing, if you're wanting to learn to fly, you need to devote I would say you need to fly as often as you can and probably a minimum two times a week. Short of that, you're probably going to be rehashing previous lessons Correct. and spinning your wheels a little bit. At least once a week. If you can come once a week and you are doing studying at home and you're not just, you know, there's a lot of guys that will come in once a week and I can tell in their book bag they've never opened any of these books right. unless they're in front of me. If you're doing that, it's not going to work out for you. But if you're studying at home, you're spending some time dedicated at home, you're watching videos, reading the books, once a week, you will be okay. Um, if you can do three times a week, yes, that's definitely a better head start than than a once a week. Uh, you All right. will be resetting a lot on once a week. All right. Well, um, I think that pretty much answers a lot of questions that the person wanting to learn to fly might have. Josh, if somebody wants to uh, find out more about flying at uh, Fort Worth Flight School, what would they do? Uh, flyfwfs.com or fortworthflightschool.com will take you to our website. Uh, we do have a phone number on there. You can email us or call us or text us and just set up an intro flight. That was one thing I wanted to point out is a lot of people are under the misconception there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through to get started. 
Um, I've had buddies over the years that I grew up with call me and be like, hey, you know, what do I need to do to even get into this and get started? I'm like, well, you're on the phone with me now. Just schedule a lesson and come on. Well, do I need to get a headset or a logbook or insurance or is there something I need to do? And it's like, no, just literally just call me up and schedule a lesson. Come on out, meet the instructors, uh, see the facilities, check out the airplanes, get up in the air. We'll let you fly the entire flight. We will be there to make sure we are successful in that flight. <laughs> right. And um, just see what you think. See if it's for you or not. I've had a lot of people. And a lot that, of people call that a discovery flight. I've had a lot of people over the years that think it's for them, and then they get up there and they can't handle the 3D motions and they right. can't handle the bumps and the wind and it, it freaks them out. And you look down, and you see the ground and it's way below you, and people are a lot smaller and cars and houses, and, and it freaks people out sometimes. So you think you got it, you think you got the right stuff, you want to be top gun. Just get out there and check it out. Just come see before you start buying a bunch of book kits and headsets and stuff. Come take an intro flight. Take a discovery flight and see if if you're made for it, if this is something that you can really do. That's a great point to bring up. So if you're thinking about learning to fly, book a discovery flight first. It also gives you a good look at the school and the instructors. Um, and you, it very well could be that you do an intro or discovery flight with, with somebody and decide that you like flying, but they're not the school for you. And, and that's fine too. And you find another school to actually begin the lessons. For me, I knew I always wanted to fly. Yes, yeah, So for me, I didn't need a discovery flight. I just booked lesson one that first day. And I didn't know what I needed, but on that first day, the school gave me all my books, um, you know, said, okay, which headset do you want to buy? And, you know, and here's your log book. And, and so they kind of did it all for me. And at that point, the school didn't require insurance and, and not that many did, but I think today a lot of schools do, but you can get that pretty as you go. Cause yeah. in the beginning, you don't really need it. Um, if you're going to fly the airplane by yourself solo, we do require you carry some kind of renter's insurance. Yeah. And it's not the insurance renter's insurance for a student pilot isn't it's that so much bad. cheaper than you would ever think. Yeah, you right. know, fifty thousand dollar hole damage, which is physical airplane damage of non-owned aircraft, is only going to cost you four to five hundred dollars a year. So yeah. that, that's really not that bad to be. No, it's not that bad. Legally covered. All right, very good. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been great uh, working with you. And, you know, maybe at some point Fort Worth Fly School will offer that three-week full intensive zero to hero. <laughs> yeah, I met with um, the owner of Thrust a couple weeks ago. We had lunch. And he is not really interested in just the one-off people. Like, hey, I want to. already got my private. I want my right. instrument. He just wants the zero to hero people. He has a program set up for it. So if that's your deal... Definitely give someone like that a call. <laughs> right. um, we are there. We do zero to hero stuff, but it's at your own pace. We don't really have a package deal set up in a curriculum. Right. And we're not 141. We are 61. So a little bit more relaxed of an atmosphere. But we'll, we'll take anybody. We'll teach anybody. All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much. And uh, for you guys out there, make sure you find a flight school. Go to Fort Worth Flight School if you want, if you're close. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening.